Hello, welcome to Spotlight, bringing a spectrum of artistic colour to the long summer days. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, we catch up with local author Joanne Clegg as the third book in her trilogy hits the shelves. Hear about the latest happenings at the Ramsey Music Society and get a preview of one of the great artistic events on the island's calendar, the Mananan Festival. Remember, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you might be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to put in that spotlight, poetic, visual, theatrical, musical... Literary, you know, the list goes on and on. Email spotlight at manxradio.com. Howard Kane at manxradio.com. I promise to read them all and do get in contact. Onwards and upwards, you may or may not have heard our interviews with well-known local woman Joanne Clegg, journalist, TV presenter, now historical novelist. Her first two books have met with great critical acclaim. She already has a loyal fan base both here on the island and further afield. Her latest book, The Watchman's Widow, published by Canelo, has just gone on sale. Joanne dropped by to tell me more. I started by asking her if she'd always intended a trilogy when she started out. No. (laughs) I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, And I can't believe I'm talking to you for the third time, actually. I can't. can't. It does seem a bit spooky, must not it? It seems like that since the first one. It it has been. It's been a crazy couple of years, actually. I've been a bit of a hermit. But... um, I don't think that was my intention originally to write a series, but that's just how it how it worked out. Well, the publisher wanted a series, so yeah, so um, and I'd already developed books one and two, so actually it was this book that I really had to think, what's this one going to be about? Yeah, and so for those not familiar, or maybe have read the first one but not the other two, in case. It- is it a continuous narrative or, or does it sort of pick up where the last one left off? Yeah, um, they have to be standalone stories. Mm. So they have to they have to sell as, as standalone stories. So the first one was about the Great Sheffield Flood. And then for the second one, I moved forward of two or three years and picked out a minor character from book one because I just really wanted to tell her story, actually. Um, and that meant bringing back most of the cast from book one into book two. And then book three, I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to bring some people back. Um, partly, actually, because readers were asking for it. You know, they mm. were saying, what what happened to what happens to Louise? What happens to so-and-so? Um, but my main character in book three is a new character, and it's her story. Um, but then people who've read books one and two will obviously recognise the, the secondary characters, okay. or most of them. So it's been a bit of a, yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a juggling act. A lot of a lot of planning. There were a lot of family trees on my office wall. <laughs> <laughs> so, can you give us, without obviously giving away the whole story, a little praise of where we're going on book three? Um, okay, so um, it's about um, a widow who's raising her three young children. Um, she works in a factory, and she's going to learn who killed her husband six years earlier. So that's the basic sort of gist of the story. Um, and that's why it's called The Watchman's Widow. And um, she didn't feature in book two. Um, neither did The Watchman, really, but he was murdered in book two. So I've brought his his widow forward to, to tell her story. 
And still set with the the Victorian period around that time? Yeah, again, it's moved forward slightly. So each novel has moved forward two two or three years at a time. Uh, This one may be slightly more than that. Um, So, um, yeah, but it's the same. It's the same period. It's the same districts in in Sheffield, um, based again around... Uh, working class people and their lives, yeah. And I know that's very important to <clears throat> it's, it's writing about somewhere you hail from, somewhere you're passionate about, and again, mm. this accuracy in historical detail. Does the story come first, then you weave it into the historical detail, or do you take the historical detail and then sort of flip it the other way around? Yeah, the, the story comes first, um, although the... Um, Sometimes the premise for the story... So, so for example, book two was all about the um, union outrages where people were being murdered for refusing to join unions, actually. It was a really chaotic time. And I discovered the... Well, I didn't discover the outrages. I found out about the outrages through researching the flood. So, yeah, I'll, I'll research for the previous novel. will always throw up some really interesting nuggets that I can use... Um, but yeah, the the characters the characters come first. Yeah. And have you been surprised by any of the historical details you found out about your your home city in in the research you've done over the years? Um, oh gosh, that's a good question. I don't know if I've been surprised by anything. Um, I, actually, yeah, I have been. I I was surprised by how. Um, workers in Sheffield actually shaped the trade union movement. I'd not been aware of that. Obviously, I knew from being raised in the city all about the steel industry and the origins of that and how Sheffield became the world the world leader in steel. But, yeah, the union side, I hadn't really known about that. So that was interesting. That was really interesting, yeah. I was looking at one review which said, uh, Joanne writes with energy, wisdom, compassion and gentle humour. Gosh. Which is a, a nice mix. Is that, oh, that's nice. Is getting that sort of lightness of touch importance to you as well? Because quite often with a, something like this historical, it can sometimes be very heavy if you're not careful. Is it something you're always conscious of, giving it a light touch? It absolutely is, actually, yeah. Um, I don't want to... Because um, I'm writing about things... You know, I'm writing about causes in some cases, but I don't want to come over as preachy. So, yeah, it does need a, a lightness of touch. And, and these personal stories often are quite grim, so you don't want it to be unremittingly grim, you know. I want I want the reader to to enjoy the story, actually, yeah. And and they're usually, well, they they are, these three novels actually they've been quite uplifting. Mm. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying that the endings are happy. That's good. We like we like a happy ending. <laughs> I like a happy ending anyway, in any case. But that is something I suppose again when you have your you mentioning your characters there and, and some of your, your your writers and your fans sort of saying what happens to such and such. Is that something that's always preying in your mind as you're writing and characters de- developing thinking, you know, are, are people going to have an empathy with this character? Um yes, I think so. Yes, I want readers to empathize with them and um feel invest in them the way you know the way that I have um I mean character is everything isn't it you could have the best plot in the world but if your characters are made of cardboard who's who's gonna care yeah yeah yeah. so that's that's what I'm trying to achieve and hopefully I'm getting there (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and what about sort of the issues? Because, again, I suppose in many ways, I mean, we always learn from history and quite often what goes around comes around. So I dare say some of these storylines and some of the issues are something which people might you know, resonate with today. I mean, we don't have to look that far around the world to find there's still a fairly troubled world we live in today, albeit we've moved on 150 years or whatever. But I, I suppose a lot of things probably still resonate. Oh, absolutely they do. I mean, you wouldn't want to go back to that time. Um, for lots of different reasons, but some of the issues are are still there. Families who can't afford to feed themselves, um, people who can't afford to heat their homes. It's all still it's all still happening, isn't it? It is sadly. Yes, you, you think we would learn one way or another, but uh, it's not mm. always the case. No. You're saying a bit, a bit of a hermit. Is that was I know we, we spoke <laughs> of that before. Are you still using the sort of same <clears throat> technique? Is it a case of short, intense bursts or or longer? I think you were saying you had fairly sort of fixed periods where you when you were writing. Yeah, more so now. Um, I'm, now that I'm a grandmother, actually, and I look after my granddaughter two days a week. So, um, yeah, so I have to now say, right, these are my writing days and these are my Florence days. Um, obviously, I can't do both at the yeah. same time. It's, she's 18 months old. Um, and, yeah, and still I, I work best in the mornings. I'm a mornings person. I can get really early and do four or five hours. And then by 11 a.m., the writing day is, is over, really, pretty much, yeah. That's pretty good. If you're that morning person, as you say, you've just got to get that sort of creative yeah. flow going first thing in the morning. And then... I, can, I can edit later. Yeah. I can reread and edit and do all that sort of thing later on. But yeah, more mornings suit me. Yeah, yeah. it's always fascinating when you, when you talk to any anyone who, who's a creative, whether they're sort of a writer or a poet or a, an artist, or whatever. How they differ, and some people need sort of lots of noise and stimulation. Other people need total isolation. I do like some background noise when I work. I think that's from working in a newsroom. Yes, I was going to say. Yeah, very yeah, busy so environment there. I'll put something on that I can't quite hear. So I'll have the radio on. I'll have Manx radio on, but I can't quite hear it unless I go into the into the kitchen to make. And that is coffee. an interesting thing, isn't it? Because you've been used to working in a very pressurised environment, like you say, where there's a lot of noise, a lot mm. of sort of short deadlines coming up, and now mm. you still have deadlines. But I assume that sort of in the in the scale of things, much longer deadlines to go for. And as you say, you can lead the life of the hermit in many ways, and that you don't have anyone to bounce off at all. Yes. Yeah, that's true. Is that a difficult transition? <clears throat> I'm really lucky, actually, because I've got a group of, of writer friends and we share work um, with each other and we, we, we trust each other mm. implicitly. And that's actually been amazing because you don't know what you're doing. You know, like you say, you, you know, you, you think you're, well, you're trying to be creative, but it might be awful because nobody else is looking at it. So, uh, yeah, I do share my work with, with this very close-knit group, um, which... Are they island-based writers me. or writers from around, no, around the UK no. or around the world? Uh, mm. From the all, all around the UK, actually. This 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 group, um, and we met on a um, a writing workshop about oh my gosh, six years ago. Um, we did a, we did a course all together, and we just kept in contact. Yeah, so we're all at different stages of our sort of journeys as writers and authors but yeah they're, they're a trusted group i couldn't do without them <laughs> the watchman's widow is out now and if you haven't already got your copy you might want to wait a few days as joanne will be doing some signings in the next week or two in waterstones and the bridge bookshop in ramsey we'll hear more about that from joanne and about future plans she has such as they are next week now, Ramsey Music Society are into their season, of course. Always something to look forward to there. Their third event is coming up on the rails very quickly indeed. It will take place on Monday, June the 26th, next Monday. 
Ramsey Grammar School West Building as usual in Lazare Road at 7.30 and will feature Jacob Smuller on the cello and Paula Lopez Atene at the piano. Jacob, a cellist from Pilsen in the Czech Republic, currently in his third year uh, of doing a music course with uh, Gillian Thode at the Royal Northern College of Music. He was born into a musical family, started playing cello at the age of seven, and then after finishing studies at the Clerical Gymnasium in Pilsen, he studied with Renata Strasrybkova at the Prague Conservatory. At 2014, he won the first prize in the Czech National Solo Competition. Meanwhile, Paula was born in Madrid. She started out her musical studies at the advanced age of four, at eight, she began studying at the Maridia Esteban Sanchez Music Conservatory with Javier Plaza and Maria Luisa Rojas when she worked with them until 2018. That year, she won a scholarship from the Scottish Aided Places Scheme that allowed her to travel abroad and study at Scotland's special music school, St Mary's Music School in Edinburgh, for two years. She had the privilege of studying with Helena Buckmeyer. In 2020, she joined the Royal Northern College of Music as an undergraduate pianist and is currently studying with Murray McLaughlin. They will be appearing, I'm told, by kind permission of the Royal Northern College of Music and the programme is going to include Bach, Schumann, Beethoven, Fauré and Bruch. Great stuff, don't miss it if you can. Speaking of wonderful music, there's plenty to look forward to in this year's Manannan Festival, the mainstay of the island's artistic calendar, of course, and it gets underway next month. I dropped down to its spiritual home, the wonderful Erin Arts Centre, to speak to creative director Pip Rolf and asked him if organising the festival was pretty much a year-round job. Yeah, it, it has come around quickly. Uh, I think this is the 47th Manannan Festival. Wow. It started in 1975, a couple of Covid absences, obviously. So, yeah, I think we're up to 47. Yeah, it just seems to... It's a bit like the fourth bridge to Manan, and it finishes, and then you sort of booking acts for the next one. So. I was pondering whether that's the case, where it's literally, like you say, a couple of weeks off, then, right, what are we doing next year? Well, the first booking, on Monday night, we have the Poet Laureate, Simon Armitage, coming. Now, that booking goes right back to 2019, wow. when he was due to come. Um, and then, obviously, the festival was... Would it be 2019 or 2020? So it was cancelled in 2020, wasn't it? Um, and then he was unavailable in 21. So that this booking goes all the way back to there. Uh, so, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to that. And I suppose that's the case with some of these artists. You can't just sort of, you know, try and contact them a couple of months in advance. You're talking about maybe booking them a year ahead or more. Yeah, normally. I mean, we try and do at least eight months in advance if we can it gives us a good shot at promoting it as well um obviously there are some people who you know th things do change um and there's a few that manage to grab at fairly last minute um but i like to i like to leave it a little bit some some of them a little bit later on just to, it keeps it a little bit more exciting too and it's always a case of trying to have a little bit of something for everyone yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we've got a great mix this year. We've got sort of poetry and folk. We've got a brass uh, chamber ensemble. We've got one of the finest pianists in the UK, Tim Horton, playing. Um, we've got jazz. Um, we've got uh, a book launch to finish it off. So it's right across the board, really. And I'd like to, you know, go even further with that. It's just unfortunate we've only got a week because um, the festival originally was two weeks. Uh, but I think now, to just keeping it a little bit more focused over over seven days is maybe 
should go a little bit better for us, I think. Let's have a quick look at this year's lineup then. So you mentioned, uh, I think, kicking off with uh, Simon Armitage. That's right. Um, I mean, everybody knows Simon as Poet Laureate. Uh, I mean, a real polymath. He's a, a poet, a writer, uh, an author. He's in a band. Um, so very much looking forward to, to hearing him. And that's, again, he sort of always comes across as very, I mean, Poet Laureate, you think, might sound a little bit almost uh, superior for some people, but he always comes across, I've never actually met him personally, but listening to him and hearing the stuff he does, it's very approachable. I think so. He's one of these people who manages to make, I think Poet Laureate's a a great position for him because he really does make that link between um, every man and I I guess, you know, the, 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 the position that he holds. Uh, his his work is sort of deep and complex and meaningful, but also accessible and sort of beautiful at the same time. Yeah, I think he he, he crosses a lot of borders. And that's just straight solo show. Yes, it's a reading and Q and A. Lovely. Next night, then, just looking at the program. Oh, is this a Manx night? Is it? It is. It's a Kreacht, which is a musical celebration of Manx women. It's an original composition by Isla Callister. Uh, so it features. Uh, songs and stories about uh, various women who have helped shaped Manx history. Um, and it is featuring Isla, who is a composer, uh, playing fiddle, uh, a, a woman called Anna Garvin, who's playing piano. Uh, we have Mira Royal playing harp, Aileen Clegg, Katie Lawrence. Uh, Annie Keswick of course yeah for incredible poems and an illustrator called Joe Davis who's provided a sort of attendant exhibition which will be on show in the bar and in the auditorium uh, pre and post and during obviously the show terrific heading on to the 28th I think it is uh, oh a brass night A4 brass uh, yeah that's it uh, an ensemble they have been to the Isle of Man before for workshops but Based in Manchester, I think they're all ex-Royal Northern students. Um, and again, a great mix. Uh, they're performing. Let's, I'll just read you some of the programme because it's yeah. fantastic. They're doing uh, some Strauss. They're doing um, some Bartok. They're doing Vaughan Williams. Um, they're doing, uh, well, Robertson, who's arranged pretty much everything. Um, and uh, a piece by Andy Wareham called The Code. That's, it's going to be a great show. Uh, so I think they have a fairly unusual mix. They use a cornet, a tenor horn, a baritone horn, and a euphonium. That's um, a unusual mix, yeah. Yes, it is. To, well, I would say create a fairly exclusive sound. But again, they're one of the um, sort of brass ensembles at the forefront of the, the UK scene. So I'm looking forward to them. Terrific, great name as well, A4 Brass, uh, from quartets to solos. And you mentioned at the top there, one of the best uh, piano recital players in the country. It's Tim Horton. Tim has recently been performing a set of concerts called the Chopin Cycle. Uh, The clue's in the title. Uh, It's Chopin and basically composers who create some kind of dialogue, either against or in sympathy with the works of Chopin. So he's playing um, Haydn Sonata. Uh, he's playing uh, Gaspard de, de la Nuit uh, by Ravel. And he's playing, the, that's the first half, and the second half is all Chopin. So these uh, two nocturnes, the impromptu F-sharp major, opus 36, 
and uh, two scherzos to finish off. Indeed, uh, coming up on the 30th of June. Uh, now, I don't know this one. Rant, a chamber folk and fiddle quartet. That yeah. sounds a happy mix. Uh, four women from uh, Scotland uh, and uh, the Scots, I think two from Shetland and two of them from Scotland. Yeah, they're basically a, a, a four fiddle band um, and really looking forward to hearing them. Sound good enough. I'm just looking at the next one on the programme there. And the, uh, okay, on the 1st of July, well, it's a jazz evening. Uh, well, it is. It starts off as a, a jazz afternoon. Um, so this is a, a free event at the Riddler at, well, from 2.30, uh, Blue Vanin and Friends, it says. And was it actually where they had any friends? <laughs> well, yeah, they, they keep working at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they'll be, basically, you don't need a ticket or you don't need to book for that, just turn up. Um, where's the Riddler for people who don't know? Uh, it, sorry, yeah, it's in the Falcon Hotel, Falcon's right. Nest. And uh, they'll be playing for, uh, well, as, as, long as, uh, <laughs> as long as they're tolerated. Uh, so that should be great fun. And then in the evening, 730 We've got the Harvey O'Higgins Project, who are a fantastic quartet, London-based. Uh, do you know them, how? I know Dave O'Higgins, yeah, really fine player. Yeah, and mm. Graham Harvey as well, pianist. They're joined by Jeremy Brown, bass, Matt Skelton on drums. Uh, now, you know more about jazz than I, I do, Howard. I would, say, <laughs> well, would you describe them as a, a post-bop? Yeah, I, I would say modern, modern post-bop or modern British, I think, sort of jazz. It would be good swinging stuff, but accessible, I would say. It's not going to be the sort of stuff that would scare off the neighbours. No, I don't think it will. And I'm, I mean, the clips, I've heard, they were recommended to me by Dave Newton, who you know we're honoured to have as a, a regular guest here. And, um, yeah, he was they were his like top recommendation. And... Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, been around for a long time, fine player and a really nice bloke, and that's a cracking quartet, so that should be a very good evening indeed. Uh, certainly hoping to get down to that. And then rounding up on the 2nd of July, uh, this is the book launch you mentioned, uh, Bridget's War. So Shirley is a, a journalist. Uh, she's also an award-winning wartime romance novelist uh, who's written a series of books. Her uh, second book, Bobby's War, was inspired by the air transport auxiliary pilot Mary Ellis and she's gone on to write a book called Hannah's War which is about a land army girl and she will be uh, launching Bridget's War which focuses on a policewoman in the internment camps uh, in the Isle of Man so she's going to be doing uh, a reading a Q&A and I believe uh, the choir Gobbert Groove are going to be down singing oh, nice. a few uh, wartime and uh, other traditional monk songs to finish off on the sunday afternoon it's two o'clock two o'clock on yeah. the sunday afternoon that's yeah. fine so it's a nice way to finish off on a sunday afternoon with the launch of bridget's war there with shirley mann and uh, regular listeners to spotlight of course we'll have heard shirley on the program before and i'm happy to say she'll also be featuring on spotlight next week uh, to talk about this very evening, uh, the launch of Bridget's War and uh, coming back to the Isle of Man again. So something to look forward to there. Uh, right, um, the all-important question, I guess, uh, tickets. How do uh, people get hold of those? Uh, well, the best way to get them is on our ticket source uh, link uh, online. 
Uh, you can get them through the website uh, or you can phone up, um, come into the office and book them in person. And obviously anything still available will be sold on the door on the night. Uh, tickets are £22 for all events and £2 for under-18s. It's a great event and almost has heritage status now, it should have. Certainly feels like it's been around all of my life. Like all festivals, though, it wouldn't exist without its sponsors, our friends at the Alaman Arts Council, of course, the Steam Packet, Culture Vannon, and with another evergreen of the artistic scene of the Alaman, the Bridge Bookshop supplying books for both the Simon Armitage and Shirley Mann shows. And Simon, and I'm sure Shirley as well, if you ask her, will be signing a selection of his work at the end of the show. Not this show. His show clearly. That's about it for this week. Don't forget, if you want to hear anything again, go to manxradio.com, download the Spotlight podcast, listen where and when you want. Why not try it whilst painting your garden furniture now that the summer is over? See you next week when we'll be casting head to this year's Lit Fest. Yes, I know. Look after yourselves and whatever you're doing, be creative about it. Cheerio. Spotlight.